What's up, Fathom fam? Welcome to our weekly Sunday Sermon Podcast. As Pastor Kyle and Taryn are taking a time of sabbatical away from the campus and preaching to spend some intentional time with family and the Lord and get refreshed, they've been really intentional about setting us as a church body up for a time to continue growing even in their physical absence. We look forward to their return on August 8th, but get excited to be hearing until then from some of our other favorite pastors and leaders in our summer series called One. This is going to be a really special summer series where we'll keep on growing our faith and experiencing freedom in Christ as we receive from many voices the one cohesive message that God has given the church. Don't forget that you can follow us to stay up to date on everything going on at Fathom on Instagram or YouTube, our Facebook page, and our Fathom Family Facebook group, and of course, on the Church Center app. We hope to see you there, but for now, we're going to jump right into the message. Good morning, Fathom Fam. Is that, is, that, is that right? All right. Hey, good morning to you in the building and online. Uh, like, like Kyle said, I'm Andrew Steyer, and I'd like to just begin this morning by reading from the passage uh, we'll be in today. So it's in Acts chapter 4, and then I'll continue with a little bit of introduction. Um, we're in Acts chapter 4, beginning in verse 8. <clears throat> and God's word says this, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders, If we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived they were uneducated common men, they were astonished and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. But seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. Let's pray and then we'll get rolling this morning. Father, thank you so much for uh, just the gathering of believers, Lord, and even those who don't know you yet. Anyone who's tuned in, God, just to, just to hear what you have to say, just to look at your word, to study your word, to, to, to figure out maybe just one more piece of who you are and, and what you want and what you promise. God, we just ask this morning that you would be present here with us. It's so evident that, that you are, but we just, we just ask that you would turn our hearts upward, that you would let all the distractions fade away that this would be a time set aside for you, that we could turn to you, that we could grow in our relationship with you, that we can get to know you just a little bit more. God, we love you, and we're just so thankful that you are our God. In your name we pray, amen. Well, if you don't know me, uh, or you've just seen me around, um, my name is Andrew, and I'm excited and blessed to get to bring the message today. When, when Kyle mentioned that I would maybe be able to get to preach, I got really excited because I was falling in love with this church. Um, my wife and I run a, a nonprofit ministry organization after years in student ministry called Student Gospel Outreach or Student Go. And really, we just started working with David and some of the students here at Fathom. And so I was like, let's, let's go check it out for a Sunday. And we just fell in love, and we've gotten to know a lot of you, which is, which is so wonderful, and gotten to share a lot of great conversations 
with you. We have two kids, Nora and Malachi, seven and six. And uh, as I said, we work with Student Gospel Outreach. And our aim, really, uh, and then I'll, I'll, I'll move past it, but our aim is to help youth groups in the area develop evangelism and disciple-making strategies and be able to implement them in their students. That teenagers who believe have the same spirit living in them as you and I do if we're believers, and that they have, just like, and we didn't even plan it, but just like Christina said, they have such a mission field that we're not able. They can go into schools. They can go into these places that we're not allowed to go, and they can bring the message and the hope of Jesus places that we can't. So let's get them ready. And that's really what we do. If you want to know more about it, you can talk to us sometime. That's what we're passionate about. But this morning, I am here um, to explore the beauty of God's word with people that I love, right? I, I, last week, there were buzzsaws going off behind Kyle, and I just thought that it was the coolest thing. No one cared. Nobody cared because we're here for the word of God. And you could knock down a building next door and no one would care because we're here to look into the word of God and to grow in our faith and to connect with him. And it's just our time, right? It's our time to come together, uh, you know, even though we're doing it through the week. So let's begin. I'd like to begin this morning by playing a game of what if with you. You ever played what if before? You've played what if. You've played what if. Yeah. So let me explain what if. Okay. If you haven't played what if, I don't think it's an official game, but we can, we can say that it is just, you know, it typically goes something like this. Okay. I say, what if I had a million dollars? And then you just, your mind just kind of goes and, and responsible adults would say, I would invest in Bitcoin and pay off my house. And irresponsible uh, generation Z would say, I'll invest in Dogecoin and buy video games. Um, but what if I what if I was seven feet tall? Oh, right. Some of the kids are like, right. I get to dunk on Dad. What if I was born in Japan instead of America? All right. It would be total, totally different. Right. Things things would be it's a silly exercise, but a lot of us play this game. My wife and I a while ago were were laying in bed and uh, and we were we were kind of playing out of, for no real reason. I just kind of said, Hey, hon, what if we had a million dollars? What would we do with it? We just kind of spent some time dreaming. And it's just this fun little conversation that you can play on a car ride, or you can get really silly with it, or, or even a little deeper, right? How, how, so, so, so what if? How would life be different? How, how would it change us? What could we accomplish if we had a million dollars, right? Or if we were seven feet tall, I could, I could reach the things on, on, you know, those cupboards above the fridge, those two little cupboards that you don't actually put anything in, because why? You can't reach those, all right? How could it impact the world and the people in it? What if? So I told you I wanted to play. So, so for real, okay? For real, this one's, this one's real. Let's play. Ready? What if we were bold in our faith? What if we were bold about who we follow and what we believe? Or what if we were bold in the way that we loved and served other people? What if we were bold in the way that we fled from sin and wrongdoing? What if we were bold? And for the sake of clarity, and clarity is super important to me, so let me, let me just tell you what I mean by bold. Right? The technical definition is just showing an ability to take risks, confident or courageous. And the opposite of boldness would be being timid, right? Timidity. Um, being scared into inaction. Being paralyzed into not moving. Well, how would life be different if we were bold? How would, how would it change us? What could God accomplish 
if we were bold? And how could it impact the world and those around us? So Kyle mentioned that we're in a summer series called One. And over the next couple of weeks, well, number of weeks, you're going to hear a lot of different voices from this stage, guest speakers, some you know, some you don't. Um, and we're all going to kind of come at this maybe in a different way. But before we, we get to how this ties into to our message here today, let me, let me just explain something to you about myself. When I get the chance to preach, uh, I, I, like, I do this thing. I like to be really clear and kind of tell you what I want by the end of the sermon right? Where I want us to end up. Give you a little preview at the beginning of where, where I'm going to go here. So this morning, this is the goal, that we all leave here without excuse. That as we walk out the doors or turn off the TV, I want every single one of us to know and understand Christian boldness and to feel equipped with at least one action step to move toward it. I want you to walk out of here going, I know what to do today. And I know what to do tomorrow, and I know what to do the next day, right? Sound good? Because all it takes is one Sunday to identify one step to grow in our faith and reach one person with a message of Jesus, right? There's that one person that's out there that needs to know the hope of the gospel. I hope to get us there in the next 30 minutes. So just want to make my intention clear what I want from this church family this morning. So let's begin. There's an undeniable truth found in Scripture. There's a lot of undeniable truths found in Scripture, but, but I think this one ranks kind of near the top. Followers of Jesus are given a job, right? They're given purpose. They're included into a mission that God has in the world. And you know this already. As I talked to Kyle, we didn't plan that either, but you know this. It's to know him and make him known. To know Christ and to make him known. And we see this on every page of our Bible. Sometimes it's a bit more obvious than others, but it's there. It's there. You've been in casket empty on Wednesday nights, right? It's there. The whole thing points to this, to know Christ and make him known. The, the designed intention for mankind is that, that mankind would recognize their fallen nature. They would recognize their brokenness. They would turn from their sins. They would follow Christ and then they would share this good news hey, that Christ stood in your place and lived the life that you couldn't and died the death that you deserve, right? To, to share this gospel with everyone who hasn't heard or everyone who has heard and still clings to their old ways, to know Christ and make him known. And there are these beautiful stories and songs and poems and teachings and prophecies about this thing in scripture. And yet we fall short of it. And, and I don't mean fall short. All our minds just went to Romans 3.23, right? All fall short, or all sin and fall short of the glory of God. Although that's true. I mean, we fall short in accomplishing what was set out for us by God, right? We fall short of his intention for humanity. Let me, let me use an example, right? I'm a big analogy guy, so buckle up. When I'm talking to people, I'll stop in the middle of a sentence and like go into a word picture and they're like, I, I knew where you were going. You didn't have to explain it like that, you know? But I'm just, I, ha I think that way. So here we go. Here's, here's an analogy, right? Let's say I have two popsicles, right? Scribblers, a family favorite in our house. And I don't know if anybody's actually turned one over and tried to scribble with it. If it works, it's a popsicle, eat it. So I got two popsicles. I give one to my daughter to enjoy because I love her dearly. I love her so much. But I also give her the other one. And ask her to deliver this other one to my son, who I also love dearly. 
See, these, these, I have these wonderful treats. They're gifts that I already paid for, given freely to my children. And I asked my daughter to give one to my son, not only because he'll enjoy it, right? He loves, he loves popsicles, but because I know my daughter will find joy in helping her dad, right? Give her a task. Go, go and do this. Great. You're probably starting to piece some things together. But what happens if my daughter takes the gift given to her, the popsicle, and she eats it, but she also eats the popsicle intended for her brother, right? She says, wow, I mean, this is great. I love popsicles. I'll just eat mine, and then I'll bring him his, right? And then in her enjoyment of the gift, she gets distracted, and she eats the other one, or maybe she just can't help herself, and she just goes for it because it's a good gift, right? It's wonderful, However, every now and again, she, she remembers what dad asked her to do, and she feels a little bad. But, but when she kind of feels bad, she, she thinks, she consults herself with thoughts like, well, well, I know dad has more of these, right? So, so my brother will probably get one some other time, maybe, maybe from someone else. What a great dad we have. <laughs> Our purpose on this earth is to know God and make him known. As I said, we're really good at one of these things, but we tend to ignore, forget, or just punt altogether on the other one. And I would contend, as we will this morning, that it comes from a lack of boldness in our faith, not ill will, not ill intentions. So if you've not openly shared the gospel with, of Jesus with somebody this week, my guess is that it's not because uh, you want everyone around you to spend an eternity separated from God in hell. Right? Like, you're not walking around being like, well, I'm not going to share with you. I'm not going to share with you. I'm definitely not going to share with you. Right? Like, that's, that's probably not it. My guess is that it has a lot more to do with timidity. Right? Being, being timid. Being frightened into inaction. Well, I don't really know how to clearly share the gospel. I'm not a very extroverted person. What if they reject me? What if I lose that relationship? What if I mess up? I'm really busy. I'll, just, I'll, I'll get to it tomorrow. I'm going to do it. I'll just, I'll just get to it tomorrow. How about this one? I'm, I'm sure someone else will reach out, right? Someone more qualified than me. See, in Student Go, we call this the gospel gap, right? The distance between knowing someone is lost and the action to actually bring them the gospel. The thing that stands between knowing that they're lost and bringing them the gospel. See, this lack of boldness paralyzes believers into inaction. And just like my daughter in the example, we enjoy the gift. We enjoy our relationship with God. We love it, but, but we keep it to ourselves despite being given clear instructions for our own good and the good of others. So what, right? We've identified the problem, or at least a, a problem. So what do we do now? Well, I told you at the beginning that I wanted to give you, I wanted to leave you with an understanding of Christian boldness and action steps to, to move toward it. So, so what are those? I want you to remember our reading this morning. It might have seemed a little out of place right there at the beginning, but, but just go back to it for just a second in your mind. Peter and John, disciples of Jesus, close disciples of Jesus, 
are standing in front of these impressive religious leaders, these high and mighty Pharisees that, 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 that know everything about, about the scriptures. And they're proclaiming the, the bluntest version of the gospel imaginable, right? They use the words, this Jesus who you crucified, right? Like they're, they're proclaiming this very blunt version of the gospel. But, but to truly understand what's going on, let me give you a little bit of the surrounding context. We can kind of figure out what, what, what we're doing here, the details that kind of make this such a big deal. See, Jesus in the book of Acts has just left the earth, right? If you haven't gotten there in your Bibles yet, Jesus dies and he comes back to life, right? And then he leaves, he goes back up into heaven, right? I don't want to spoil it for anybody, but, but if you're at church, it's one of the things that's probably going to get spoiled. Um, but, but Jesus goes back up into heaven and uh, he... He, he gives these blue-collar workers, these fishermen, these work-with-their-hands, uneducated people, he gives them a mission. He says this in Acts chapter 1, verses 8 and 9, right before he ascends back into heaven. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. We talked about this. Kyle talked about this in the Holy Spirit series that we just did, right? And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. He says, you know me, now make me known. And so the disciples, after that, they start praying because they've just been given the mission of all missions. And if you can imagine, they're kind of like puppy dog following Jesus around for three years. And then he's like, I'm gone and you do it now, right? He says, he says, I have to go, but you'll do even greater things when the Holy Spirit comes. Well, right here, he's promising, well, the Holy Spirit's coming. So they're huddled in a room. They're praying because they've just been given this mission And the Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit that lives in you and me, if we're believers, right? The same, it's not different, it's not watered down, it's not a cheaper version because it's 2,000 years later. The same Holy Spirit descends and fills them and they all start preaching the gospel in all of these different languages that they don't even know, right? And people outside are like, I'm from Timbuktu and I hear... Timbuktuan, the gospel in Timbuktuan, right? Like I, I hear, it, and they're like, well, how are you doing these things? And, and, and Peter, he gets up and he preaches this amazing gospel sermon. The disciples start preaching the gospel to everybody and, and performing miracles, right? And, and, and the cool thing about miracles, every time you see a miracle in the Bible, even with Jesus, that, that when miracles happen, God uses them. God uses them in amazing ways. But the cool thing is that after miracles happen, you see the gospel preached, right? It's not just miracles for miracles. After you see the miracles happen, you see the gospel preached. They're a means to be like, you thought that was cool? Now experience death to life for eternity, right? That's the cool thing about miracles, right? So, so very similar to Mark chapter one, uh, Jesus, he, he is doing all these miracles and then he goes out in the next morning to pray and the disciples find him. They're like, come on, there's all these people lined up to get healed, to get demons cast out. And Jesus goes, we're actually gonna move on to preach more because that's why I've come, right? Super cool, super cool thing that just, that one's for free, right? Every time you see a miracle, we'll look for the gospel, right? So in Acts chapter three, we meet a guy who can't walk. And, and he, in fact, he's never been able to walk. It says he was 40 years old and he cannot walk. He's got a reputation. 
Everyone knows this guy can't walk. He's not shy about it. And how we know he's not shy about it is that because every time people enter through the gate, one of the gates of the city, this guy is sitting there going, spare change, spare change, right? Like he's like, I can't walk. Do you see? They don't work. Can I have some spare change, right? And so Peter and John come walking. They're going to the temple. They're going somewhere. And this guy says, can I have some money? And Peter turns to him and says, I don't have any silver or gold for you. I'm a fisherman who's been following Jesus for three years, right? Like, I don't have any of that. What I do have, I give to you. And then he performs a miracle. And the man gets up and he walks. And just like Jesus, he uses that miracle to preach the gospel. And he starts with this. He goes, men of Israel, because everyone's looking around. They're like, he just healed Gary. Like, everyone knows who this guy is right? So, so like, he's not a stranger to them. So they're all like, you definitely couldn't walk yesterday. And then every day before that for the last 40 years. And so they're like, what happened? So everyone starts coming around and gathering around and, and they start marveling at Peter and John. They're like, oh, you are something special. And Peter says this, he goes, men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety we've made him walk? And then he goes on to share the gospel. He's this giant arrow that points to Jesus. He's like, hey, I did something cool. That Yes, but through the power of Jesus, now look at him. And then he goes into the gospel, death to life. Bold gospel preaching. And before you say something like, well, preaching was easy for them, right? They were apostles. Or it was a different time. It was more socially acceptable back then. Let's move on because the religious leaders are standing around and they get mad. They get really mad and they get so mad that they have Peter and John thrown into prison. And this is what I want, where I want to give us a little bit of encouragement here this morning because it's here that most of us justify our timidity, right? We see, oh, well, they preached the gospel, but you know what happened, right? Like they got thrown in jail. What if, what if something bad happens to me? I'm good, we'll have somebody braver, more qualified, do it. See, situations like this or fear of situations like this or why we keep quiet about our faith. We don't want to offend anyone or step on any toes, but that's not God's intention for you. It never has been, right? We know him and we make him known with, with boldness. So this is the backdrop to the passage that we read already at the beginning, jailed and interrogated by the religious leaders But instead of shrinking back, these men boldly preach the gospel to their accusers, not just to the ones who see the miracle, not just to the ones who hear the gospel in their own language, but the people who threw them in jail get the gospel message. So here's what I want to do this morning with the remainder of our time. I want to give you uh, Peter and John's recipe for boldness, okay? We're just going to stir it up. And you can walk out of here having a next step of some sort, no matter where you are. Because folks, these are not superheroes. They're Christ followers. They did not have an extra spirit, right? Like the spirit of God didn't come into them and then come into them again. So they have more than you and I do. It's not, right? They're apostles. Yes, they got to walk with Jesus. But don't you and I every day when we open up and open up the word? So here's what we're going to do. We're, if, you're, if you're a note taker, write this one down, okay? It'll be, up, it'll be up on the screen. The recipe for Christian boldness is this. Intimacy with God, which leads to obedience of his word, 
which leads to urgency in his mission. Intimacy with God that leads to obedience of his word, which culminates in urgency in his mission, boldness. And I want to show you in scripture how we can develop in these areas because Christian boldness is not something that you can just kind of like muster up. It's not like you flex really hard and like boldness appears, right? Like it's not something you can accomplish by just try harder, do better. And a lot of us do that all the time. We're like, well, I better do better today, right? Or else God will be disappointed in me. I better be bold or else, right? No, it's not where it starts. It comes from and is sustained by God himself. He's the one who brings the boldness, right? So, so in each one of these things, intimacy, obedience, and urgency, I want to give you a mini roadmap or a little blueprint that you can literally copy at home with your family, okay? You can do this. So first, let's start with intimacy. Intimacy, togetherness, closeness, right? This is where the Christian finds their strength. This and only this is where the Christian finds their strength. Intimacy with God is, is literally the know God in our mission, right? Know him and make him known. This is know God, is intimacy. Intimacy is not knowing about God. It's not even I knew God once, but it's daily knowing God, like a best friend or a spouse. I'd say, who are you most intimate with? And it would be a short list of people, right? I would think of my wife, my children, my closest friends. And intimacy is absolutely key to boldness. It is the undisputed first step. If you want to have Christian boldness, you cannot start anywhere but, but here, okay? So, so uh, look, at, look at Psalm 27. Psalm 27. And you tell me where David's boldness comes from, all right? So, so in this, in this uh, section, what I want to do is I want to give you uh, three things. I, I forgot to mention this. I'm going to give you a prayer to model. I'm going to give you a promise to hold on to. And I'm going to give you the product of doing these things. All right? So as you look at Psalm 27, here is our prayer to model. And my dad was a Baptist pastor for a lot of years. That's where I get the alliteration from. Um, but, but it works. So in Psalm 27, it says this. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and my foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war arise against me, yet I will be confident. And we're like, wow, he sounds kind of cocky, right? Like he sounds, kind of, well, how? How can he say those things? Verse four, one thing I have asked of the Lord, that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and inquire in his temple. For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me up high upon the rock. And now my head shall be lifted and above my enemies all around me, and I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make a melody to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud, be gracious to me and answer me. You have said, seek my face. My heart says, your face, Lord, do I seek. Hide not your face from me. Turn not your servant away in anger. O you who have been my help, cast me not off. Forsake me not, O God of my salvation. For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. Do you hear this prayer? 
He says, teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me on a level path because of my enemies. Give me not up to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me and they breathe out violence. I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord, be strong, let your heart take courage, wait for the Lord. Do we pray like this? Right? Do we pray like this? Do, you, do we seek God like this? Do we literally beg him just for him, right? His confidence comes from the place where he's like, I just want to be with you, God. Hide me, shelter me, just be here with me. And nothing can come against me that will take me down. But it's not coming from this guy, David being like, I'm so strong. No, he realizes how small he is and how great God is. Intimacy, a prayer to model. How about John chapter 15? Jesus himself gives us a promise to hold on to. He says this in John 15, 4 and 5. Abide in me, just means stay, remain, be intimate, right? Abide in me and I in you. Just as a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. And I am the vine, You are the branches, whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Let's break it down. What is he saying? Jesus says, hey, be close to me. Remain with me and I will be with you. And I will be the reason that you can accomplish great things for my name's sake. And if you're having trouble with the imagery, imagine a dead branch in your yard trying to squeeze out an apple so that the branch will let it back on, right? And that's what we do when we go out there and we're like, I'm going to be bold for you, God, so you'll be happy. And, and he's like, no, like maybe, maybe try to grow the fruit already attached to the tree. What if we prayed for intimacy with God like this, right? What if we believed the promise of Jesus and carried it with us daily that I can't do it on my own? What if we cared more about our Savior and what's new on, than what's new on social media or in the wide world of sports first thing in the morning? I'm guilty, right? I, I open my eyes, turn to the phone, right? My fingers even know where to go to the apps, right? Like, they're conditioned. What if we desired to be so close to Christ that our sin actually felt like sin? Well, what if? Look at the product in the life of the believer, Acts chapter 4. We've already read it. It says, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived they were uneducated common men, they, the religious leaders, were astounded, astonished. And they recognized that these men had been with Jesus. These guys are nobodies. They're fishermen. They're uneducated. There's nothing special about them except the religious leaders recognized their closeness, their intimacy with Christ. And that's where the boldness came from. Right? It's not their fishing experience that made them bold in public speaking. It's not the only ingredient, though. Because you can be close to Christ and still look inward instead of outward. Right. So the next ingredient is obedience. So let's run it back. How can we pray for obedience? Where can we see a prayer to model for obedience? Well, look in Psalm chapter 119. I'll begin in verse 1 and we'll read the whole thing. Psalm 119 is like a thousand verses long, right? That was a super nerdy joke. I'm sorry. Okay, beginning in verse 41, it says this. Let your steadfast love come to me, O Lord, your salvation according to your promise. Then shall I have an answer for him who taunts me, for I trust in your word. 
And take not the word of truth utterly out of my mouth, for my hope is in your rules. My hope is in your rules? That sounds weird. I will keep your law continually forever and ever, and I shall walk in a wide place, for I have sought your precepts. I will also speak of your testimonies before kings, and I shall not be put to shame. For I find my delight in your commandments, which I love. I will lift up my hands towards your commandments, which I love, and I will meditate on your statutes. What a weird passage of scripture. How many times are you like, thank you, God, for your rules? I love them. Well, more than you might think, right? The one who's intimate with God prays for that intimacy to result in obedience to God's commands and God's mission, right? All of a sudden, the desire for closeness translates into action that makes us close to God, right? I love my wife. I'm intimate with my wife. But if I don't do a lick of what my, what my wife asks me to do, do I really love her? Right? Even Jesus says that in our promise, right? What's well, a promise that we can hold on to? John 14, 15 through 17. He says, if you love me, you'll keep my commands, commandments. And you can kind of look at this two ways, right? If you love me, you'll keep my commandments, right? It's the proof that you love me. But if you love me, you'll be so close to me that it'll, you'll naturally keep my commands, right? It's not just this indictment on, on people. It's not like, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. It's like, well, if you love me, you'll, your life will look like keeping my commands. And I'll ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Oh, see the Spirit again. The Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him. For he dwells with you and will be in you, right? Jesus says, love me, know me, remain close to me, and that will result in your obedience. But don't worry, it's actually not all on you. I will be with you by sending you the Spirit. I will literally help you accomplish what I ask you to do. Have you ever told a little kid to do something? And they're like, well, I don't know if I can do that. And you're like, don't worry, I'll help. And you go behind and you grab their hands and you move them together, God says, I'm going to give you this mission, but I'm not just going to leave you, right? Like, I'm not just going to be like, well, do it. Check back with me when you're done. He's like, no, I'm going to give you the spirit. I'm literally going to give you the way to accomplish the thing I asked you to do. I'm like, what a good God. Find me another religious system in the world. Find me one, right? That, that is not, you do that and check back with me. Well, what's the product in the life of the believer? Let's go back to our passage, Acts chapter 4, 15. When they, the religious leaders, had commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another, saying, well, what should we do with these men? For that a notable sign has been performed through them is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and we can't deny it, right? Like, everybody saw Gary get healed. We can't say that he didn't, because he's jump roping in the, in the quad, Right? But in order that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. So they called them and they charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, I love this, whether it's right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. And when they had further threatened them, they let them go finding no other way to punish them because of the people. For what? All were praising God for what had just happened. Intimacy 
leads to obedience, which leads to urgency. And this is a concept we don't talk a ton about. We know we should share the gospel, but, but we don't understand the urgency required, maybe. I'm going to go in a little bit of a different direction with this one. right? It's not going to be like, you better do it now. Maybe you'll see. We're going to go to Psalm 96 for our prayer to model for urgency. It says this, Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord and bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, for he is feared above all other gods. For all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering, come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble, well, whoa, didn't plan that one either. Tremble before him, all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens be glad and the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exult and everything in it. Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord. For he comes, for he comes to judge the earth and he will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. What if... We gave God the glory and praise he deserves when he deserves it, not when it's most convenient for us, right? Like you, you read that and you're like, yes, that is God. That is God. But is, do we do that on a Monday at like 10.30 a.m., right? Looking at Tyler, we're putting together a washer or dryer. We're putting together a grill and we're, are, are we, do we understand just the magnitude of God? This is the urgency. What if we told of his salvation from day to day and declared his glory to the nations? What if we realized that Christ's command to go make disciples wasn't actually a suggestion and that you and I, human beings, are the way that God has chosen to spread his good news? You realize that, right? Sure, God can appear to people in dreams. They can become saved in a moment without human contact, but that is not normative, nor should it be expected, right? It is human beings are the way that God has chosen to get his message to the world. In his book, Evangelism and the Sovereignty of God, which does a great job of talking about, well, is it God's, like, do I really have to go? Because God's going to save him anyway, or is it my job? Right? This is an amazing job of talking about that. J.I. Packer says this, God did not teach us the reality of his rule in order to give us an excuse for neglecting his orders. We don't get to look at the Bible and say those things and then go, but you're clearly talking to someone else. Basically, we serve an urgent God, a God who's given us a mission and put people in our lives who need the gospel right now. Listen, the people in your lives are not the people in my life. I don't know them, right? And yes, you could bring them to church and, and, and bank on them getting the gospel here. The gospel is preached from, from the front of the church. But you know what? The gospel can also be preached over a cup of coffee. 
or over bagging some leaves together with a neighbor or putting up a, putting, I was going to say putting up a fence, but if you're going to share the gospel with your neighbor, don't put up a fence, right? Um, like, yeah, no, this is so great. We'll see you never. Um, listen, we cannot worship him and neglect his mission and the opportunities that he's given us. So what's the promise of Jesus? And it gets a little, a little sticky here. John 16, he says this, I've said all these things, and Jesus is talking, he's talking about the promise, the previous promises of intimacy and obedience. He goes, I've said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. They will put you out of the synagogues, right? They're coming for you. It's not going to be pretty. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think that he's offering service to God. And they'll do these things because they've not known the Father nor me. They don't know me. They just think they do. And they'll come for you. But I've said these things to you that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. Listen, the hour is coming. And I'm not here to preach like, like doom and gloom. But listen, we don't know. We don't know. I can't bank on it happening when I'm older. Right? Like, well, God, just hold off on a while. I got some people I want to share the gospel with, but like, I'll get to it. I'm busy. Right? That's not it. That's not urgency. We can't pretend we didn't know what our job was, no matter the promised difficulty, awkwardness, or persecution. But if we're intimate with God and obedient to his word, we'll move with urgency. So what's the product in the life of the believer? Acts chapter 4, 23 says this, when they were released from prison, they went to their friends and they reported to the chief priests and the elders what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and they said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, why did the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and his, against his anointed. Which seems like a weird place for this weird little thing, but that's actually the beginning of Psalm chapter two. And if you go and you read Psalm chapter two, it's about Jesus. And it's about persecution when Jesus comes. Super cool, like hundreds of years before, right? So the example I like to give is if I, if I did this, if I said, happy birthday, right? So if they say, why did the Gentiles rage and the people plot in vain? Everyone's mind would go, Phoom! Psalm chapter two, just like you went to you, right? So they know this and they're like, hey, isn't it so cool that Jesus came and now we're being persecuted just like Psalm promised? Okay, let's keep going. That one was for free too. All right, so, uh, verse 27. For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness, while you stretch out your hand to heal, and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place which... Uh, which they were gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness, urgency, right? We got to get back out there and tell more. Listen, we're finishing up here, but we do not get to claim to believe scripture and be timid. We don't. We don't get to claim to believe scripture and then stew in our sin or shame or guilt, caring about Christ when it's convenient or when we need something. That's not what the Christian life is about. 
One of my favorite verses is 2 Timothy 1.7. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power, of love, and of self-control. We simply aren't allowed. Examples of faithful men and women carried along by the promises of God and the power of the Holy Spirit are everywhere in Scripture. Boldness is the natural outcome to intimacy, obedience, and urgency. So what if we chased after these things? What if, we, what if we ran after them? How would life be different? Right? How would it change us? What could God accomplish? How could it impact the world and those around us? Well, I want to I close by answering those questions, and I want to do it by showing you and myself this morning just how ridiculous it is to be afraid. I'm going to walk through this story one more time. This time I'm going to make you a pros and cons list of being bold as a believer. Watch. Pro, a lame man is healed. Pro, all the glory goes to God. Pro, the gospel is preached to lots of people. Uh Uh-oh, con, the religious leaders are annoyed. That's the word he uses, annoyed. Uh Uh-oh, con, number two, Peter and John spend a night in jail. But pro, The believers reach 5,000 men strong, which as Todd mentioned on Wednesday, that's just counting the dudes. Another pro, the gospel is preached even after they're in jail. Pro, the credit goes to Jesus yet again. Uh Uh-oh, con, Peter and John are warned, don't do it again. But a pro, they get released because they couldn't charge him with anything. Pro, all glory goes to God. Pro, they go back to their brethren and sisters and they all pray for renewed vigor and passion. You tell me eternally which one wins, right? It's almost comical. Listen to me, folks, I'm not promising your life will be easy, comfortable, or predictable if you're bold, right? You, sh- you know that. I'm promising that it will be joyful and purposeful, right? That is a promise, joyful and purposeful in the things that matter. I'm promising that God will use you. I'm promising that God will use you. Why can I promise you that? Because scripture promises you that. I'm promising that lost people will repent and follow Jesus. Listen, Peter gets crucified upside down for being bold. That's where his ends up. But the testimony and the impact of bold men and women carry on to this day, stirring up the church, this church, and propelling believers into a life of boldness. So if you're here and you've been sitting on the sideline, if you're timid or just have been disinterested, maybe you're distracted by the things of the world, turn to Christ, the one who purchased you from sin and death and set your feet on solid ground only to send you back out to the people who are asking. So I'm gonna invite the band up and let me just ask you a couple questions. What's your one next step? What is it? Is it intimacy? Is it obedience? Is it urgency? Is it just going over there to your neighbor's house? Is it making some cookies and delivering them to some neighbors? Just saying, hey, we love you. We'd love to talk to you about Jesus. And who's the one person that you can tell about how God has changed your life? Start there. Listen, don't try to go save the whole world. That'll just paralyze you. Start with one. Be faithful in the little things. Watch God work. Seek him in intimacy. Obey him through his word. Sense his urgency and be bold.
So ask it one more time and let your mind wander. What if? What if we were bold today? Let's pray. Father, you have not given us a spirit of fear. That fear comes from the enemy. Perfect love casts out fear. May we seek you in intimacy. Jumping into your word with excitement and hunger. The psalmist says, I hunger and thirst like in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Like when I'm in the desert and I'm so thirsty for your word. Let us, let us do that when we wake up in the morning. Would we follow you in obedience because we've seen the product of obeying you? I know how good you are. You, you are the boundary that protects me from myself. Protects me from wandering where my heart wants to go, not where you know I should go. And you know what? I've never found joy out there, only in you. Maybe a moment or two, and then I'm just lost. So Lord, help me to follow in obedience and help me to sense your urgency. Help me not to see the people, my neighbors, as the guy that plays loud music, right? The people with the tall fence, the casual wave across the street every once in a while while we're getting our mail. Help me to see them as people who need to know you. And maybe they're lonely and they need to know the closeness and togetherness of the family of God. Maybe they need to be here. Maybe they're depressed. Maybe they're frustrated. Maybe they have fear. And all they need is for someone to go over there and just say, you, have, you, have you heard about Jesus? Really heard about Jesus? Not what you see on TV, but, but have you heard and, and have you seen what happens? Let me share my story with you. God, would we be bold not to get your affection? Would we be bold because of your affection? Would we be bold because you already won? Would we be bold because you already went to the cross and paid for our sins? Paid in full, my debt is cleared. God, just pray for boldness. And we love you. And during this song, Lord, we just pray that you would be the sole focus of our hearts. You are our rock and our salvation. You are our anchor in the waves. And we cling to you with all we've got. We love you. In the name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening in today. If you've made a decision to follow Jesus, we want to celebrate with you. To connect with us about what your next step with Jesus might be, or even if you need help figuring that out, you can text the keyword FATHOM to 97000 anytime and follow the prompts. You can also go ahead and type in the search bar of your podcast app, Fathom Beyond Sunday, and there you'll find our new podcast. You'll be able to listen in on some really great conversations, just taking the truth of God's word from our Sunday sermon a step further, talking about how we can apply these truths to our everyday lives between Monday and Saturday, not just on Sunday. We love you, we're praying for you, and we hope you'll tune in again soon.